0: Now then, let's turn to our dear old Bible, and we're turning, dear friends, to the last book of the Bible, which of course is the Apocalypse, or if you like, the book of the Revelation, and we're turning to chapter 20, please. The book of the Revelation, chapter 20, and we're going to read a few verses from verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thorns, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and they shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, uh, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now this evening, I want to commence by giving to you uh, two quotations. The first one is a very short one, and those of us who are of a certain age and can remember some of the events of the last world war will remember uh, the famous um, quotation, famous words that came from the lips of General Douglas MacArthur who was Commander-in-Chief of the Allied Forces in the Far East during the last World War. And he relates that because he was his, his troops were outnumbered uh, in the Philippines uh, that he had to withdraw his troops. But uh, as he left in 1942 he said to the people, I shall return again. They were the last words he spoke to the people as he had to leave with his troops in 1942. I shall return again. And then another quotation from the late Lord Boyd Orr who was the famous diatrician. And he said in a television interview, unless we have world government of some kind, there is no hope for the future. And how true are those two quotations? Well, I'm glad to say somebody else said, I will come again. Again. And that, of course, was the Lord Jesus in John chapter 14, in which he said, if I go away, I will come again. And then, of course, there is a future for the world, because there's going to be world governments. As the famous diatrician said, unless we have world government of some kind, there is no hope for the future. And uh, this evening we're going to have a look at a very, very important subject. And I may say a very controversial subject. And there's every possibility that at the end of the teaching this evening you may not agree with what I'm going to say. But uh, I like to be... uh, searched out, like to be checked upon, and so I put it to you for you to think about it as we think of this very important subject this evening, because we're going to deal with what is known as the millennium reign of our Lord, or if you like, the the thousand-year reign of the Saviour here upon this earth. So that's the subject, a very important one, a very controversial one. Now then, dear friends, here's the problem. How can I deal with a thousand years within the next 20 or 25 minutes? What a problem. Of course, there's no way I can do that. And all we can do this evening is to just approach it in a brief way and to uh, mention three things uh, with regard uh, to it first of all we're going to see its scripturalness and then secondly we're going to have a look at its characteristics and then thirdly we're going to have a look uh, at uh, its tragedy so its scripturalness first of all and then its characteristics uh, and then it's a tragedy. First of all, then, it's scripturalness. That is to say, when we believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Saviour, is going to reign on this earth in a literal way for 1,000 years, we're basing our, our, our belief not uh, in our opinions or imagination. But uh, we are basing our faith in the word of God, what the Bible has to say. And here in Revelation chapter 20, you notice, if you've been very observant, that uh, it is mentioned no less than six times. Verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6. Look at verse 2. And bound him a thousand years. Look at verse 3. No more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Look at verse 4. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years verse 5 but the rest of the dead lived not again unto the thousand years were finished look at verse 6 blessed and holy is he that have pardoned the first resurrection and then the end of the verse says and shall reign with him a thousand years, verse 7 and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, so six times In such a short portion of scripture, John makes reference uh, and mention of the 1,000 years. Now here's something very interesting. John just states it. He just mentions uh, the period of time, the 1,000 years. uh, But he does not describe anything about that particular period. He is just stating... Just when it happens in God's prophetic program. Because there was no need for John to describe it. Because it has already been described very, very fully in the Old Testament scriptures. And that is why John didn't go into any details. He just put it in its right position in God's prophetic program. So, we're believing in something that's not the figment of our imagination but something that is grounded that is taught in the Bible especially in the Old Testament but mentioned by John in Revelation chapter 20. So, it is something very scriptural it is biblical to believe in the thousand year reign of the Lord upon the earth. Let's have a look, secondly, at its characteristics. Now, I'm going to mention very briefly eight characteristics concerning this particular period. First of all, here's the first one. The Lord will be on the throne and in control. Now, cast your mind back to the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, in which the prophet said, Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And then he says, And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Now notice uh, Isaiah brings the two events almost in the one breath. Under us a child is born, under us a son is given. Now we associate that uh, at Christmas time. That's his first coming. But almost in the same breath, he says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now that did not happen at his first coming. Because we know he was crucified. So John is actually jumping over a period of time. And he says the time will come when the government shall be upon his shoulder. Not at his first coming, but when he comes the second time to reign supreme on earth. And the Lord will be on the throne and in control during this particular period of time. Now it's very interesting that this old world of ours, it has known different types of government. For example, democratic. And of course that's our form of government, that's why we have elections. We're going to have one on the 8th of June, and we believe in a democratic form of government. And then of course there's aristocratic there's, there's autocratic there's bureaucratic but the world of ours has not known a theocratic form of government and when the Lord Jesus reigns for the thousand years this old world of ours is going to experience and know a theocratic form of government when our Lord Jesus is on the phone in control and the government upon his blessed shoulders. So that's the first characteristic. He'll be on the phone and in control. And then second, the prayer of the ages will be answered. They think of that we have what's known as the Lord's Prayer They actually, it's not the Lord's prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. Because there are certain things in that prayer the Lord couldn't pray. He couldn't pray, forgive us our debts, because he will settle us. Actually, that prayer was the disciples' prayer, because they came to him and they said, teach us to pray. And what we have is a model, a pattern, of how we should pray and I just sometimes wonder dear friends should that be prayed publicly we have it in certain churches, we have it on television the radio and they give the Lord's prayer they call it but I sometimes wonder if that should be done because the Lord gave us as a model, as a pattern of how we should pray and one of the petitions in the disciples prayer is this thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and for nearly 2,000 years that prayer has been in existence uh, and many of God's people in churches uh, have been praying that prayer over and over again thy kingdom come uh, when the Lord Jesus does return and sets up his uh, reign upon earth for a thousand years uh, then that petition will be answered his kingdom will have come and what a time that's going to be. And then thirdly, it's going to be the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And Bible could spend weeks on that alone? Because in the 39 books of the Old Testament you have many prophecies pertaining to this particular period of time. Now, there has been the tendency of recent years, especially in modernistic circles, to take these Old Testament prophecies and to spiritualize them. Ah, they say, we shouldn't take these prophecies literal or no. They should be spiritualized and they should be applied to the church. I don't believe that, friends. I believe those prophecies in the Old Testament do not pertain, per se, to the church, but to this earth, and to Israel as a nation during the thousand-year reign of the Lord on earth. And there are many prophecies in the Old Testament that describe so beautifully that particular period. Now, let me give you one or two examples. Take, for example, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. Here's what it says. And he, that is Jesus, shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. Listen to this. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation; neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah two and verse four. What a prophecy! Going to be literally fulfilled. When the Lord reigns for the thousand years take Isaiah 35 verse 1 the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose take Micah chapter 4 and verse 7 and the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forever Take Zechariah 9 and verse 10. And he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his domain shall be from sea to sea. And from the river even to the ends of the earth. There's just a sample. Of some of the Old Testament prophecies. Pertaining to this particular period. And there are many more. They tell me. Are you familiar with these prophecies? Now let me illustrate this. There's Graham sitting there. And let's pretend Graham is having a good walk around the golden streets of heaven. He's had a look around, so wonderful. And then someone taps him on the shoulder, of Graham. And Graham turns round and who is it? It is Heidi. Now, that's not a disease, that's the name of a person. Haggai. And Haggai said to Graham, Graham, what did you think of my prophecy? I wonder what Graham's going to say. Because if he's never read Haggai, he's in big trouble. And then, as Haggai is speaking to Graham, then come along uh, uh, Habakkuk. And Habakkuk says to Haggai, we're over, I want to speak to Graham. And Habakkuk says to Graham, now Graham, what did you think of my prophecy? I wonder what Graham's going to say, if he's never read it. Dear Christian this evening, get to know these Old Testament prophets, because you're going to meet them in glory. All these wonderful prophets, and who knows, they may ask you, be wonderful if you say, oh yes, Haggai, I, I read your prophecy. Oh yes, Habakkuk, and Malachi, and Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Micah, and Amos. I read them all. Because in those prophecies, you have wonderful predictions what's going to be like when the Lord reigns in the third year. And all these prophecies are going to be literally and minutely fulfilled. During those, that period. Because when God makes a promise. He always keeps his word. Now then. Number four. It's going to be peace. Going back to Isaiah chapter 9. One of his titles is this. The Prince of Peace. My dear friend, don't we want peace today? Read your newspapers, turn on your television, conflict, war, strife in many places, and the world's crying out for peace. And it's going to be wonderful. For 1,000 years, there's going to be peace. No more war, no more strife, but peace. As the Prince of Peace reigns supreme. And then of course there's going to be, fifthly, righteousness. Because I believe the Lord's going to rule with a rod of iron. They're going to see a side of the Lord that sometimes we forget about. He's not just a, a Lord of love and compassion, but he's, he's going to be the judge. And he's going to reign in justice and in righteousness during that particular period. And then, of course, there's going to be the transformation of creation. Now, at the moment, the animals are wild and ferocious, but in that particular period... Even the creation, the animals are going to be changed and no longer ferocious and wild because it says, a little child shall lead them. What a description that's going to be! A little child leading that used to be ferocious wild animals. Not so in that particular period. And then, of course, something very interesting. Number number seven, there's going to be longevity. Now, just a few weeks ago, I was visiting in Carlucca a man on his birthday. He's one of the people that I visit from each month. And he was the grand age of one hundred and one one hundred and one and his brother lived when he was one hundred and one and ten months old nearly a hundred and two now would you like to be lived to live hundred and one, hundred and two there he was sad to say profoundly deaf and I say, not too good but a uh, hundred and one and during this particular period of time, there's going to be longevity. Here's what Isaiah 65 verse 20 says: "There shall be no more sense an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. Listen to this: For the child shall be shall die an hundred years old." So even if a person died at a hundred years of old, it'll be likened to a child. And in some wonderful way, there's going to be longevity. People will be living to a grand old age. So my friend, Mr. Fleming and Carloke, he's just a child compared to those that be living for a longer than him during that particular period. And of course that isn't anything new. Read the opening chapters of the book of Genesis. Read about the patriarchs. Methuselah, 969 years of age. So there's going to be longevity. Uh, but here's something wonderful. Uh, but I read Revelation 20 a few days ago. I think it just said hallelujah because uh, Satan bound during the period Revelation 20 and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the cave of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand listen to this and he laid hold of the dragon the old serpent which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him That he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must build the little saints. Can you think of it? For one thousand years, no devil, no Satan. Oh, what a time that's going to be! Oh, hallelujah for that! Satan will be bound for that particular period so it's a scriptural doctrine and there's eight characteristics with regard to that particular period but then you probably said, saying suddenly, what about the tragedy well I have to mention this because it's given in Revelation 20 look at verse 7 and when the thousand years are expired Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number of them is as is a sadness. Now isn't that tragic? Isn't that sad? in spite of the prosperity and the peace and the justice and the righteousness of the Lord reigning for the thousand years when the devil's loosed he can still manage to cause an insurrection rebels and even all these ideal circumstances and situation their hearts has not really been changed and the devil is able to raise an exceeding great company of people You see, dear friends, it's not ideal conditions. It takes the grace of God and the power of God to change people's lives. And that is what the Lord taught, is it not? The new birth. We must be born again. Here's people, ideal circumstances, and yet their hearts were not changed. Given perhaps a hypocritical attitude towards the Prince of Peace. They did not acknowledge him as Lord. And that's the tragic aspect of this great reign of the Lord upon the earth. Now, let me read to you two lovely hymns. And uh, here's the first one by Isaac Watson. Here's what he says. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. Doth his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore his sun shall rise and set no more for him shall endless prayer be made and praise his song to crown his head his name like sweet perfume shall rise with every morning sacrifice people in realms of every tongue dwell on his love but sweetest song and infants voices shall proclaim their loud hosannas to his name listen to this Blessings abound where'er he reigns. The prisoner leaps to loose his chains. The weary finds eternal rest. And all the sons of want are blessed. Where he displays his healing power. Death and the curse are known no more. In him the tribes of Adam boast. More blessings than their father Lost. Let every creature rise and bring its grateful honours to our King. Angels descend with songs again, and earth prolong the joyful strain. What a hymn as it Watts, describing this beautiful time. Think of it, blessings abound, where'er he reigns. The prisoner leaps to loose his chains. And then another hymn by Francis Havergal. I was really blessed as I read this lovely hymn. Thou art coming, O my Saviour. Thou art coming, O my King. In thy beauty all resplendent. In thy glory all transcendent. Well may we rejoice and sing. Coming in the opening east. Uh, herald brightness slowly swells. Coming, O my glorious priest, hear you that uh, thy golden bells Thou art coming, thou art coming, we shall meet thee on thy way, we shall see thee, we shall know thee, we shall bless thee, we shall show thee all our hearts, could never say. What an anthem that will be, ringing out our love to thee, pouring out our rapture sweet at thine own all-glorious feet. Listen to this. Oh, the joy to see thee reigning, they are beloved Lord, every tongue, thy name confessing, worship, honor, glory, blessing, brought to thee with what accord Thee are master and our friend, vindicated and enthroned on to earth's remotest end, glorified, adored Adored. Oh the joy to see thee ready. Dear friends, dear Christian. Are you longing to see him ready? Am I longing to see him ready? Are we looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God? Because here's the good news. Think of this, friends. We are going to reign with him. Think of that us sinners saved by grace we are going to reign with him oh what a hope what a glorious prospect what position shall we have it will depend upon our faithfulness to him down here because the bible says if we suffer with him we shall reign with him at his blessed sight, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, I've only been able to touch it very briefly tonight, dear friends, but uh, that's part of great God's great program. His thousand-year reign upon this earth. Now what Paul said to the church of Philippi? concerning our dear Lord that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, listen to this, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, men can despise him down here. But one day they shall have to acknowledge him. Jesus as Lord. Here's something to think about. The very last prayer in the Bible is in this book of the Revelation. And before John concludes the book of the Revelation, here's what he said, and it's the last prayer. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Is that your prayer? Is that my prayer? Are you expecting him? Are you looking forward to seeing him? Now only you could answer the question. Only I could answer the question. Oh, I do trust, dear friend. This is our prayer, like John. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Because when I read my newspapers, when I look at the television, I say, dear Lord, you'll have to come and sort this mess out. And one day he shall. And every day shall die. And every tongue confess that he is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Yes, I shall return. And thank God there's hope for the future. Because one day he shall reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. God bless you.